the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. Nice day. Good deal of sun. A little chilly. 47 the uh, high. Clear skies, low 33. Tonight, then tomorrow, sunny, breezy, and a high of 45. Sixers, a rather large margin win last night, 146-101 over Washington. In a rarity, all 15 76er players played, and not only played, they all scored at least two points. Joel Embiid leading the way with 34 points and 11 rebounds. Robert Covington, one of those guys who gets in the game every now and again, but uh, was not a starter. Got eight points and four rebounds. Talked about the game afterward. We set the tone from the very beginning. We came out, executed our game plan, and then you know we just followed throughout the game. When guys got tired and the next guys came in, stepped up, we kept that same intensity, and we just moved the ball really well tonight. A lot of shots went in, and we did what we supposed to. We followed the game plan. That's Robert Covington, power forward for the Sixers, sound courtesy of Lauren Rosen, who's a team reporter for the Sixers, her Twitter feed. The Flyers are at Nashville. Tomorrow night at eight, or tonight I should say, at eight o'clock, and uh, head coach John Tortorella talked about how the team can keep the winning streak going. It's just being ready to do it again. Tonight's an interesting one for us here because it it's the third game. We've been on a road. It seems like a month because the games have been spread out and we've had some downtime. Dads are here. Uh, a little bit different situations all starting before tonight's game. I just want our readiness uh, to be there as it has been. So I'm, I'm anxious to see how we go about it here tonight with some of the other things around us. That's all we can ask is try to be as ready as consistently as you can throughout a long year. Sometimes they're there, sometimes they're not, and I get that. But just try to hopefully a higher percentage of the readiness being there. Six uh, Flyers, as you say, head coach John Tortorella, sound courtesy of PhiladelphiaFlyers.com. Last night, Monday Night Football, a couple of games, both of them very close. Tennessee 28-27 over Miami and the Giants 24-22 over Green Bay on the last second field goal. Eagles are trying to get themselves out of the couple of game funk they've been in and get ready for the game this coming Monday against Seattle. The uh, center for the Eagles, Jason Kelsey, talking about what stings most, perhaps, about the loss to Dallas a couple of days ago? What stings most about it? I mean, it's an in-division game, and, you know, this was, you know, we were at the top of the NFC, and, you know, now it's going to be a lot harder to secure the one seed. Officially, don't control our own destiny now with San Fran and us having the same record and then having the head-to-head. I think that's how that works. Don't quote me on it. But. So, you know, this is a big game, and, you know, whenever you lose big ones, they, they stay more, for sure. 
Jason Kelsey of the Eagles. Fletcher Cox, defensive tackle for the team, also talking about the Cowboy game uh, afterwards. Uh, it was penalties. You know, we had some third downs. We should get off the field. Obviously, we got penalized on them, or they made a play. Uh, we didn't get off the field, and, and that's kind of been our story the last few weeks. You know, I know as a team, as a defense, leader of this team, that, that we're going to do something about it, you know, and so, like I say all the time, the most impressive thing about this league in the regular season is to get a chance to go do it again. And uh, now it's, it's one of them deals where we kind of control it. We control we control this. You know, we, we have to go on the road again, you know, across the country and play another good team. So it's, you know, it's, to me, it's like a it's like a playoff game from here on out because, you know, we still we, we got to fight to the end right now. Fletcher Cox of the Eagles. Again, they play next this coming Monday at Seattle. So uh, a couple things, and then I want to share who are a couple of guests we have today. Really excited to, to bring on board. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle you've been hearing about is something where you can have your mortgage or rent paid for all of next year, up to $18,000. That'd be pretty cool to win. It's a popular prize. In fact, this is the sixth annual WFIL Christmas Mortgage Miracle. It's sponsored by the Radmore Firm. We actually had attorney Jim Radmore on the program last week. You can enter the contest every day through the 20th of this month. There are bonus entry opportunities, too. You share it on Facebook, things like that. So get yourself in the mix. It's right on our homepage at WFIL.com. Again, that's the Christmas Mortgage Miracle. Uh, we're glad to have coming up in just a few moments, Angelo Cataldi. You'll know him if you're a sports talk fan of any uh, size, shape, or form. He was host of the WIP Morning Show for 33 years. Before that, he was a, a writer with the Inquirer. And uh, he has a book out called Loud, How a Shy Nerd Came to Philadelphia and Turned Up the Volume in the Most Passionate Sports City in America. So we're going to talk with Angelo about his book, about his craft, about radio. Looking forward to that very much. Also looking forward to having Gary G. Cobb, a former NFL player, including with the Eagles and Cowboys and Lions, and he has joined our program a number of times. He also worked at the same station as Angelo, WIP, so they know each other, but we're having one after the other, so to speak, and I'll be sure to make sure to ask a question of each about the other, because I know there is a mutual respect there. We'll chat with G about what's going on with the Eagles. Gary has a has a, an Angelo will attest to this. Gary Cobb, G. Cobb, has a way of shooting straight. And uh, I know that Angelo, he talks about it in his book, Loud. That's one of the things he appreciated about Gary, because Angelo covered Gary when Gary was a player and appreciated the fact that, that G would just share what it is and in a, and in a very effective way, for, for lack of a better term. So Gary G. Cobb, who has joined us, well, he'll share with us about that. He's a believer, so we always get a good dose of something about the Lord with him, too. He, he Part of what Gary Cobb does, actually, is he works with players as they are leaving the league and their careers are winding down or they didn't get offered a job, and he's there to help them as they make that transition, often at a, an age where they're only you know 25 years old or 27 years old. Now what do you do with your life? Maybe you're 32. And so G has uh, is uh, that's part of what he does. He goes into the prisons. He does some great work locally, and uh, he's always good for. Uh, he's just very down to earth. A great guest to have on. We have him every every couple of months, and he adds a lot to our program. So looking forward to having Gary G Cobb join us on the show. Also want to throw this out to you just for fun today. If you send us a text during the program, our text line is six ten five hundred Dove, and just type in the word. Well, you got to put your name and. Ideally, your address, because I want to send you a gift card to Duncan, Panera, Rita's, or Wawa, courtesy of Brian Chevrolet in Jenkintown. $5.60, enough for you to get a cup of coffee and a donut or a snack, a couple of waffle fries here or there, whatever whatever they have. We don't even have a couple of Chick-fil-A lying around uh, still. So text the text line 610-500-DOVE between now and 5 o'clock. And if you do, 
And just all you have to do is put the word besides your, your info so we can mail it to you. This is a guaranteed win, not a drawing. A guaranteed win. Put the name Angelo or G for Gary. Whatever's easier for you. And we'll be glad to send you a gift card. All right. Just a fun way of saying uh, thanks for listening and Merry Christmas to you. Back with Angelo Cataldi next on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 411 on the Tim DeMoss Show. If you're just tuning in now, we're welcoming aboard our first of two guests today. Really pleased to bring on board 33-year veteran of the morning show on WIP, recently retired and author of a book called Loud, How a Shy Nerd Came to Philadelphia and Turned Up the Volume in the Most Passionate Sports City in America. Angelo Cataldi. Angelo, how you doing? Tim, thank you for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We have some common uh, friends. You know them better than I do, but I actually worked with Rhea Hughes in State College for a while when she and Dwayne Bolt came up in the early 90s for a short spell. And, uh, oh, wow, Rhea. Rhea, I'm telling you, she's the hero of my book. She, uh, last four or five years when I was starting to go, she propped me up and dragged me to the finish line. <laughs> she's an amazing woman. And that comes out in, you know, throughout loud uh, often, you know, you, and it's a great theme. Uh, and, uh, and Cindy Webster, the other one, I've done some work with her at the Darren Dalton Foundation in the last few years. So I know she's an integral yeah. part too as well. Very important to you. Great connections. She's she's kind of set up my book tour, and she's been amazing. That's fantastic. Well, congratulations on this. One thing I wanted to ask you about loud, just the thought of the show prep. You know, I've done morning radio and afternoon radio for years, and but I I knew that you were getting up at what three or three thirty in the morning, and uh, if I got up, I was five or five thirty. I'm like, I don't know how I would do what Angelo does, but the pressure of coming to the to the show every day. Just your thoughts on show prep in terms of, I know it changed over the years probably, but how you viewed what you needed to do to do the show each day. That's, that, there's such um, a myth about it that in sports talk, especially in a great sports city like Philadelphia, you just have to show up and the board is lit with all these great callers and, and you just you talk for four hours and go home. I always had a formula of like, two hours of prep for every hour we did on the show. Hmm. And as it evolved um, toward the end, I literally scripted every segment of every hour because I wanted to make sure I got all the elements in. I was trying to appeal to a lot of different audiences at the same time. You got your hardcore fan, then you got your people who are more on the fringe. Some people just want to hear about your personal stuff. So we wouldn't deviate. We wouldn't stick to the format 100%. But the whole concept of it was before you went on at six o'clock, you better know what you're going to say for the next four hours in case nobody's helping you, mm. in case the callers are not great that day and your co-hosts are a little off. And I always over-prepared for that reason because I was afraid. It was born out of insecurity. I had zero experience in radio when I started full-time at WIP. Yeah. Well, folks, I remember, you know, I'm 55, so it's a pleasure talking with you because I've lived around, listened, uh, you know, as a fan, but also read your work. You were the Inquirer back, you know, before WIP and all the folks you work with, Al Morgani, same thing. Uh, So, you know, to watch that develop is also certainly covered in loud. Folks tuning in, we chat with Angelo Cataldi, host of the WIP Morning Show for 33 years. That timeline of the show, I guess... 
it was you and Al initially, and then or Tom Brookshire, then Tony Bruno came in, and then Rhea came in after Tony left. Is, is that right? Do I have the basic flow of it? Yeah. I uh, started full-time in 90 with uh, Tom Brookshire. Okay. And then uh, two years later when he left, um, we didn't have anybody who knew radio. I knew I was going to end up working with Al Morgani because he had gotten us a job there part-time before that. And then um, we needed somebody else, and they, they got Tony Bruna. And Tony was like a big radio guy. He knew, this, he knew the medium inside now. When he left, there was a period where no one had a clue what they were doing other than our producer, Joe Wechter. We, we were not radio people. So we had to retrain ourselves to actually be the guys that did the time checks, went in and out of breaks and things of that nature. And um, I would love to tell you we were a quick read on that. We got it fast. <laughs> no, <laughs> I would say we didn't sound like even the semblance of a real radio show, professional one, till the late 90s. We, we, the people who listened to us tolerated seven or eight bumpy years, I would say. Was, was, the, was there a show or a series of shows where you started to feel like, you know what, I'm all, we're on to something here? Yeah, um, it's ironic because we got in a ton of trouble for it, 99. At the behest of the mayor then, Ed Rendell, we brought a, a group of 30 drunk guys to the NFL draft in New York. Yeah. And um, we thought that the Eagles at the second pick in that draft were going to take Ricky Williams. And instead, um, they took Donovan McNabb. And um, we were unhappy. And we did what Philadelphia fans do, we were unhappy. We, we emitted a boo like none that had ever been heard at an NFL draft, and it went viral. And this is the irony of radio. You know, it was a dumb thing, but McNabb turned out to be a much better player than Ricky Williams. But we got so much national publicity for making fools of ourselves that people listened to us more. Sometimes by being dumb, you get more out of it than by being smart. And that was the, as defining a moment as any in our, in our 33 years that we booed a guy who didn't deserve to get booed and the country paid attention to us. Yeah. You know, there's so many stories, so many names. I just want to throw out a couple names and then maybe you could um, go, go to town with it. You mentioned Joe Wechter, uh, you know, with you all those years, right? All 33 years? All 33. And what a great producer all the sound effects, a lot of the funny lines that people were saying were given by him to us while he was answering phone calls, while he was hitting breaks. He was an amazing behind-the-scenes guy that never got the credit he deserved. Why do you think he was so good at his job? What about his who he was as a person? Um, because he was born to do the job. He could hear the show while he was doing it. What made him so good is and it's something we were not born with because none of us were radio people. While the show was going on, if something needed a change of pace or something, Joe would know what call to go to. Joe steered the bus for the 33 years. And people never hear or see that. But at the end of every show, we would know who the star of the show was. And it was often Joe. Was he ever on the air, his, his voice? <laughs> I th maybe once or twice. Um, he is a funny guy and a talented guy, and I never got the sense that he really wanted to be on Mike. Other producers on other shows 
were regular contributors with their voice to those shows. Yeah. Joe never indicated to me he wanted a different role than the one he had. Tony Bruno, he knew how to rip sports figures with a twinkle in his eye, is part of what oh. you wrote in Loud. We learned so much from him. Now, I learned from him that less can be more. That but when he, here's the thing, here's the number one thing I learned. When Tony Bruno was about to go on a rant, his partner, or partners in our case, need to literally physically back away from the microphone and give him space. <laughs> now, that was the thing. Always, when I was first starting, I got to fill every second at the time. I got to make sure we got something going. And then I would see Tony, and he'd, he'd have that look, and i go, oh, boy, there it comes. And then he would just go off. And that was his radio training. He understood how to create big moments in a show. And then he created this thing called Mr. Monday Night. And, and he would, he'd have this chant behind him, Mr. Monday Night, Mr. Monday Night. And he would do all that stuff. And he was an awful predictor. It wasn't like he was any good at it, right? but he did it with such an entertaining flair that people didn't care. No, he's betting on it. They just wanted to hear the way he did it. And um, that was another part of it. You know, you got to have style. You can never lose sight of the fact that while you're talking sports, you got to entertain your audience. And that's what I got from that. And then when Rhea came on, Rhea Hughes was just, um, wow, work. She's more committed to her career than anyone I ever met, and a great teammate. When you needed somebody to do something in a big moment, Rhea Hughes, who was our contributor on air and our news person, was brilliant at it. You've got to have people like that. And that's where I was lucky, Tim. I had a lot of people that were on the team filling roles that we desperately needed them to fill. Interesting. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. And I was thinking the word team and all the people around and now over time that gels, perhaps it doesn't have to gel because you, you give examples or maybe some chemistry is not quite there in, in terms of trying things out when you were trying to form the show. Tony actually was on with us last year. WFL turned 100 last year and he worked here years ago, as did Howard Eskin. We had a special anniversary show and they, they chimed in about remembering flipping records and all that in the 70s uh, when FIL was a you know, top 40 station. Another name for you, Norman Isaacs. Oh, wow. My, that was my advisor at Columbia University. And um, he steered me in the direction that my rest, the rest of my career went. He didn't want me to go into sports because I was at a serious graduate school. And he said, if you're going to do it, do it the way you would cover the White House or City Hall or anything like that. Ask the toughest questions. Befriend nobody. And be tough on these people. Hold them accountable. And, and then the other thing he asked me to do is to never breed to another person at Columbia that I wanted to go into sports because they would find it frivolous. But I took that at to heart. And when I went back into journalism, I was always the villain. I was always the guy asking the toughest questions. I was uh, twice I was attacked in locker rooms because people didn't enjoy the way I was reporting on the team. And um, you know what? I bow to him. I didn't realize, Tim, how important he was to me until I wrote the book. And I realized well, that's where it came from. Because I was known to be somebody who held people accountable, I mean, to the max. And I got it from there. You know, it's interesting because you close the book with several really 
well thought out statements or paragraphs, including about him and said, hold the people and authority accountable. Never compromise your honest opinion. Tell the truth. I had a huge advantage over most other hosts because I never wanted to play the sports I covered because I wasn't worried about offending the people I wrote and talked about. And because I learned early on the job of the media is to use the form to tell your best truth, not always the actual truth, but it was honest. I was curious about that because it, the investigative side of you and the serious side, there are stories throughout the throughout loud where you kind of like, well, we never really checked that, but we went with it, you know, but that's more on the lighthearted stuff. So I was just curious about your thoughts on really what your role was, because obviously a lot of what you did in the morning show and WIP was was just fun. But then there were also, as you say, like tough questions. And so. That's, a, that's an interesting line to walk in with the word truth, I guess, is what I'm getting at, how you viewed that, how that guided the show, if, for lack of a better term. Yeah, that's a great question, Tim. Um, the first day I started full-time in radio, after the show, I thought I'd hit a home run. I went in to see my boss, uh, a guy named Tom Bigby, and he said, how do you think you did it? I said, I'm pretty sure I knocked it out of the park. And he said, you did not. He said, you need to know right now. You have, in, you have exited the world of journalism and you are in the world of radio, which requires entertainment. So the rules were loosened on what we would not report as fact, but use as fact. And then whenever we were wrong on something, whenever we misinterpreted why a coach did what he did or whatever, we didn't have to worry about getting corrected on it because Philadelphia sports fans can't wait to tell you you're wrong. So, so the phone lines would light up, and they go, you're out of your mind. That isn't what happened. And then they would tell you, sports radio in Philadelphia is just like being at the corner of a tavern. You're at the bar, and you're talking sports while you got a beer in front of you, and you're arguing about whether this guy is great or that guy is great. We tried to keep that vibe going on WIP radio. We thought that was it. If we're talking about what they're talking about, we're going to have a good show and people are going to listen. And that was a good advice I got from my boss right at the beginning. I stopped being a journalist, except when we did interviews. Now, when we did interviews, I kind of went back into that style because I was trying to get honest answers to the questions the fans wanted. Yeah. Angelo Cataldi, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia, host of the WIP Morning Show for 33 years, author of Loud, How a Shy Nerd Came to Philadelphia and Turned Up the Volume in the Most Passionate Sports City in America. How much of the show was you coming to it with, you knew what you wanted to do? I'm not just talking prep, but you're Angelo, you know what you believe in, and and that's going to not change, versus reading the listeners and letting them do whatever they're going to do, and maybe adjusting how you were thinking about how you were doing the show. You know, I think I, I eventually evolved into thinking differently because I had spent so many years talking to these fans. So whereas at the very beginning I had a real intellectual approach to it, and, uh, oh, I think it's very important that they, uh, you know, they really check out these coaching candidates. But I was more pompous and... And then the further along I got, the more I started to pick up the vibe of the fans, which were, um, I want these guys held accountable. If a manager blows it, I want you to say so. If a player does something awful, I want you to rip them the next day. And under all conditions, you have to hate the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and once I got all that down, 
it was a lot easier to do the show. But if you're not speaking on behalf of those fans, if you're not resonating with them, they're probably not going to listen to you. They're going to eventually find somebody else who they feel more connected to. Well, and you dedicate the book to them out of, out of the shoot, and it's very clear throughout how important they were to you, and even to the point where you, you talk about outlasting, that you outlasted all the managers and players, and the fans have even outlasted you. And it was a great way to, I think, near the end of the book, to kind of reemphasize your appreciation for why the show was there. The thing that bothers me, Tim, especially now, and now I'm going to sound a little bit like a dinosaur, it seems to me that the people that deal with the media and sports, even in our city, are more interested in either befriending the athletes that they're writing about or at least not causing any uh, conflict with them, rather than just getting to the truth. Now, this doesn't apply to all of them, but enough of them. And in the book, what I say is, I guarantee none of the owners or the coaches or the players is ever going to invite you over for Sunday dinner. If you think somewhere in here that this guy is actually your friend, you're, you're not thinking clearly. These people are there. If they're befriending a media person, it's so they'll get positive uh, publicity. And the bottom line of it is, ignore that. The only people you need to worry about are the people listening or if you're a writer, reading what you do. That's all you got to worry about. The rest of the people, if they're mad today, too bad. Tomorrow they'll be bad about something else. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Plenty of stories in uh, Loud. We talk about Larry Bird, Bill Fitch, Muhammad Ali, Rocky Marciano, the, the Tiger Ted Lowry fix, Harry Callis, Spike Eskin saving your life. A lot of personal stuff, too, including about your father's passing, which I thought was a really touching, fun uh, story. Uh, maybe, could you share about that just for a moment and what your dad meant to you? Well, my dad, um, my dad taught me to be a negative sports fan. <laughs> we lived in Providence, and he hated all the Boston teams. Now, this all evolved from the fact that he loved Joe DiMaggio because Joe DiMaggio was a great player who was Italian. And if you were Italian, my father rooted for you. But that made me a contrarian because I did what my dad did, and I hated the Red Sox, and I, I, hated, uh, I hated the Celtics. I was a Sixer fan because I loved Will Chamberlain. And um, that kind of that's the way it began. And here's the story that, to me, is uh, I'll believe this till my last day here. My dad was born in 1918, and that was the last time the Red Sox had won a World Series. My father lived 86 years. He loved the Yankees. In 2004, the Red Sox came back from being down 0-3 in the playoffs and winning their first World Series in my father's lifetime. He died a month later, and he was failing. He had kidney problems, but... I, my sister kind of agrees with me now, Tim. Um, the Boston Red Sox killed my father. <laughs> yeah, it was funny, but obviously very, you know, how that matched up. But to have a, a dad for 86 years to, to bounce back and forth as you're growing through and all the stuff you were doing, too, must have been very, very amazing. Thank you. Yeah. yeah it was fun to write. That's all I could tell you. You know what it's like in Philadelphia, man. Every day is a new adventure. Yeah. Hey, a cup of coffee on me. You, Gary Cobb, who you mentioned in your farewell show, by the way, you know, his job with the NFL, which he says is not for long, is to talk with coaches and players about their transition. So it sounds like this book is part of your transition, maybe a little sleeping in, 
But uh, maybe Gary would be a good guy to have a cup of coffee with you if you're thinking about special projects. He's a great man. He's on our show a lot. Gary Cobb. Well, he served a number of roles in my career. When I was a writer, um, he was he was on the Eagles, um, those Buddy Ryan teams, and I would go into the locker room after a game, and I knew that Gary Cobb would give me the quote that would describe the whole game better than I could write it. He was a quote machine, and he was a gentleman. He was a class act. Then when we got to radio, and, and G became a part of WIP's lineup for a long time, he was my go-to guest on football simply because of what I said a couple of minutes ago. He didn't care who he irritated. If he, he would rip a coach, and he was a player. It's hard to do that when you're a player because they're going, aren't you part of our fraternity? He would rip them. He would tell you what went wrong. He was so honest about it. And I tell you, he's just a special, special guy. And um, he, had, he meant a lot to the success of our show. Angelo Cataldi, host of WIP's Morning Show for 33 years and author of the new book, Loud. Thank you so much for taking time with us today. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. Tim, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Quick break. And the one and only Gary Cobb, who we were just talking about there, will join us next in the Tim DeMoss Show WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. It's 435 on the Tim DeMoss Show, going from Angelo Cataldi to... His fellow worker, co-worker for many years, and who's been a friend of our program for a lot of years as well, Gary G. Cobb, played for the Eagles and uh, Cowboys and Lions, also done a lot of sports broadcasting in the market, and we are glad to bring on board Gary G. Cobb. How you doing, my, my friend? How are you? I'm doing great. How, how are you guys making out? I know uh, a lot of Eagles fans are not doing great. But, no? <laughs> uh, but, but that's okay. They're going to have to get up off the mat, and uh, the team's got to get up too, but after those tough losses, it's always a tough time. My wife made wings, Parmesan, garlic Parmesan, and barbecue, but and they tasted really good, but not really as good as as they would have had the Eagles put up a little more of a fight with the Cowboys. So yeah, they they went through a tough time, you know. And I I think you know people are looking for things. Some people are saying about the schedule, you know, that they. Uh, really had a, a deficit when it came schedule-wise. Those other teams had some time off, right. uh, about a 10-day break and that sort of thing. Uh, they clearly have to play better. They're probably going to get a chance to face those teams again. Yeah. So it, it's going to be interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, guys, you don't play your best football, um, and then sometimes you do. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. I still think they've got a chance to uh, to come out on top. But, uh, you know, you well, got a lot of guys, boy. I mean, they're having that face-to-face talks. And, uh, you know, it's <laughs> mirror, it, it, mirror it, it on the wall. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Everybody's taking a look in the mirror. That is what it's about. To be fair, they did have, what, was it three games in 13 days? So just physically, you played the game long enough to. Oh, yeah. I mean, you don't it, normally it, play two in 13 days, let alone three. That's right. It, it, it's not easy. And two, I'll tell you that the older the player, the, the longer you take to come back after a game. Well, I remember when I first got in the league, you know, I could have played two games uh, one, one night and then come back the next day, play another game. But as you get older, you, you uh, take a lot longer to recover. That's something that, that plays into it. And, and, and hopefully, uh, you know, the, the guys will, uh, will be able to get it together and, um, be able to 
you know, get up off the mat and uh, and play some of their uh, best football in order, you know, uh, to uh, finish strong in the, in the season. And then, you know, once the playoff starts, that's a whole nother season. They're going to see those two teams, the Niners and the Cowboys. Uh, they're going to play at least one of them, but they could end up playing both of them before it's over. So it, it's going to be interesting to see how everything turns out in the long run. But, they, you know, they've got a team full of guys that are used to getting up off the mat, though, and they've been able to rebound from uh, different losses. So I, I think it's, it's a chance they're still going to be able to uh, come out on top when it's over. I forgot which of my kids said it the other night, but uh, you know, norm- one of them said normally when Jalen Hurts, you know, the camera's on him, you don't really see much of an expression at all, no matter what's going on. But even Jalen had a bit of the head shaking as the team was really struggling again for the second week in a row. So I mean, it's uh-huh. it's a lot. That's to right. It's a lot to have to deal with, and he's at the, obviously the focal point. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's not easy. I mean, uh, you know, <laughs> I know uh, my wife. She she laughs about you know, all of the football things because, well, now she's in there, you know, making her statement about who should do what or whatever. It is. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, she's seen, uh, you know, the different times when, the, you know, I might be sitting at the dinner table and I go, oh, no, doggone it. What? She <laughs> what goes, what is it? What is it? I was supposed to have that tight end when he went across there and he caught the ball. That was that was my man. You know, she, she just laugh about it because uh, – you know, she'd see me living through this, and you go in those meetings on Monday. Those are, those are some tough meetings because you look at the film, and the coach calls out what he sees. Yeah. Uh, either we're going to yeah. get a better job out of a Cobb. Whose guy is that the tight? Coach, that's my guy. Well, then get on him then. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there was a, a purely theoretical conversation that we just, you mentioned during your playing. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's, that's right. Just, Believe me, there it, it was some choice words used as well. You know, you know I, I have a dump button here. If I need to use it, go ahead. No, I know, I know you wouldn't say this, but just tuning in, chatting a couple of minutes with Gary G. Cobb, longtime broadcaster. Also, certainly uh, he played for the Eagles, Cowboys, Lions. Eagles with that uh, 33-13 loss in the week before, 42-19 to San Francisco. I just had, I had to ask you one question. I'm a uh-huh. I'm a positive person, and I, I'm top of the pile when it comes to one game is one game doesn't have to mean anything, and or whatever else. I really am, but I do know one thing, and this is just completely separate. I coached our church softball team for 16 years. We had a good team. We had some former minor leaguers on our team. There was uh-huh. one year we had a really stacked team, and we we in our opening round playoff game beat a really good team. 40 to 16. 12 run, we scored 12 runs in the last inning. It just it worked out. Everybody was hitting and uh-huh. you can't just hit the ball dinky dink cuz that's disrespectful. And we weren't yeah. trying to run out the score, but we were just hitting the, the snot out of the ball. And when yeah. that happened and we sat down and said, "Guys, we just scored 40 runs. Like we're capable of 40 runs." And I don't think it's an aberration. We had a good team overall. Anyway, the impression I felt after San Fran beat the Eagles, 42-19, to 19, was if I'm an Eagle, I'm thinking they're capable of that. And the Cowboys, you know, 33-13 is closer, but you see what they're capable of. And all, you know, general talk aside, any a given team, any given Sunday, when you lose by that much, that emphatically, 
what do you as a player, I don't know what your worst loss was, but what do you do to say, to keep it from leaving a mark? Well, you know, I tell you, um, one thing you do is, you know, you got to go back and look at the tape of see what, exactly what happened. Guys can make uh, adjustments because you can see, you know, well, maybe you covered the wrong guy. Uh, maybe you didn't have a good understanding of what you were supposed to do. Different things like that happen during a game. And, you know, the other team is doing some things to try to get you to uh, make mistakes. So there, there are a lot of things like that. And then you have guys at times who want a guy on your team, you might, might be playing, but nobody knows. The guy's in you. He's not able to run at full speed, but he, he's doing his best because, you know, his leg is not feeling good or, you know, different things like that happen. So it's all of these abundance of things. And, and of course, you know, in, in our society, which take the games, they're life and death. I mean, <laughs> you think that, you know, boy, so they are going to execute somebody. Uh, if they lose this game, huh? <laughs> right now that would be well. I don't want to advocate it, but that'd be something if, like, the one of the players has to go <laughs> sent to an island or something. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know, but people look on it with that type of seriousness because you know everywhere I at, you know, I'm at around in the you know the area in the Philadelphia area. After that game, you know, it'll go like, what are we going to do? Yeah, I mean, like, like, like this is a life and death thing. Like, what are we gonna do? I'm going, boy. I guess well, right. we're gonna have to shoot. We're gonna have to shoot JoJo. Then. <laughs> I mean, it's, people uh, approach me uh, with that type of seriousness. Like, what are we gonna do? I'm going. I don't know. What do you think? <laughs> you play along. <laughs> let them think you're actually. Yeah, right. I can see. Oh, I don't know. What are we gonna do? Maybe we all just need to leave. <laughs> get in our cars and start driving. I don't know where, but let's get out of here. That's right. So that's funny. yeah. So so it's it's uh, it, being around the game so long. You know, I I I don't take it as seriously, even though it is something that people are really into. But you know that look. Whoever wins and loses, I've seen guys. You know who they're Hall of Famers and everything, and you see where they have some kind of calamity come into their life, and they don't. the fact their Hall of Fame doesn't really do them any good. And then you'll see another guy who just went through, and now he is running one of the biggest companies in the, in the nation. Uh, so there are all kind of things that happen, you know, and then, then, of course, you see people that really look and are able to tell what is really important. And the real things that are important is, you know, one guy has a relationship with the Lord and he knows him and he's, a, he's been able to walk with the Lord through his life. And another guy who might have a Super Bowl ring, but he doesn't know the Lord. And you start looking and seeing, well, what is really important? Well, and that's a you big know, part, and, I know, of what you do. I know you, you, you mm-hmm. still, you're still in conjunction with the NFL. You take time to coach folks who are out of the not-for-long NFL <laughs> on the, once they're on the well, back end? I'll tell you, I, I, I'm in Fort Lauderdale right now. We're getting ready to have a, a group of players that we're going to be working with starting later on uh, this evening. Hmm. These are guys that are former players, and now they've got to, you know, that part of their life is over. They've got to get up. Uh, we're going to celebrate with them about, you know, congratulating them. They made it to the NFL. But after tonight, 
that's the end of that. We got to get up and got a, a family to provide for. They've got to get up and start really making a decision about what they're going to do next career wise. What are you going to do? What are you going to do with your life? And they got to move on, put the trophy away, you know, put the, you got your Jersey, you can keep the Jersey, but <laughs> <Right>. that, <laughs> but that's over. And so it's time to move on. And a lot of the guys I'm able to minister to and they can beat the Lord too, because it's talking about what's important. And so we talk about what's important. in life. So let me do that's, this. We, we, yeah. we, uh, Angelo Cataldi has been on the program, uh, just had him on in conjunction with his new book, Loud. And I I mentioned briefly at the end of our chat, I said, look, if you and G get together, I'll cover the cost. Like you always want to have a cup of coffee together. I said, you you know, it's kind of just a general way of saying, you know, he's putting this memoir together, really. And I know he mentioned you in his Mm -hmm. farewell broadcast in the last 15 minute segment, how much he respected you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I don't know, you know, I, I'm just throwing out there kind of tongue in cheek, but also I know you've had a chance to have your testimony and your light shine all the mm-hmm. years you worked at WIP too. So I don't know. Yeah. Any thoughts on, on Angelo and your time working with him? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I, I know Angelo's, uh, he's, he's been on his book tour and everything. I am going to uh, get a chance to talk to him because the guys are telling me, you know, he wanted to, uh, get a chance to chit chat with me and everything. So we definitely going to have some time, spend some time together. And uh, Angelo is, he's a great guy. You know, he, uh, uh, you know, he, <laughs> he has you laughing. He, he will say things that'll uh, get your attention, yeah. but uh, he, he's a good guy. <laughs> a good yeah. way of putting it. So, yeah. yeah. He said he appreciated the fact that when he would talk to you when you were a player, that you would shoot straight. And he, for him, he didn't play sports, so he wasn't trying to make friends. He, I think he said, they're not inviting you over for Sunday dinner. So, like, don't try to get all cute. And he, and he said, right. at the risk of sounding like uh, I'm, I'm done with media, which, I, you know, I guess he is mostly, that uh, people today, these days, they're too worried about being all chummy with everybody, all the athletes. I, I'm thinking yeah. as a believer, though, and you would appreciate this because you've been a player you know, for 11 years and done broadcasting. I also think that when Scripture talks about he who is gracious will have the king for a friend, in terms of your speech— and uh, and I think of in love in First Corinthians thirteen, love is patient, love is kind. Further on down, it says it always protects. And for me, as a media guy, I've thought about protecting the person. You know, I figure if there's a really something hard, it needs to be between the player and his wife or his family or the people involved. They have their own people around them. It's not necessarily for public consumption. Everything is supposed to be out there. Uh, you know, who needs to know what is part of how I've always viewed this stuff. So I take it a different way, but he said that about you. He appreciated that you, you just shoot straight. I don't know how you how you viewed your time in media uh, along those lines, but and just being a believer as well. Well, you know, I take the... Uh... The position that, you know, uh, honesty is, is, is uh, one of the things that as a believer, you know, I'm going to be honest with the, with the guys, you know, um, what's going on with the team because, you know, you, di- you have different challenges. A lot of times teams has ups and downs. People have ups and downs in their life. If you're here breathing, you're going to have ups and downs. And so it doesn't um, really bother me that they ask me a question. I give them a sincere answer. Now, does that mean everything I say is the definite truth where I can't be somewhat biased because maybe I said something where I was looking at it one way, you could look at it another way? 
but I, but I was going to give them a genuine opinion from my point of view at that time. I give, I give an opinion as and, a player. You're saying, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then, and then when you would, when you've covered athletes, how do you try to approach? What are you after? Just I mean, I've never, I don't think I've ever actually asked you this. But you, what you're after when you're when you it may, it may vary from person to person. But the kind of the grid you look at talking to an athlete, having been one yourself. Well, you know, a lot of times I'm looking at it from the athlete athlete's perspective, mm-hmm. you know, because of having been there on that spot, uh, you know, even though, you know, I'm not playing at a particular time, a lot of times I go back through and look at it from an athlete's perspective to say, well, this is what I see here. Uh, but in truth, a lot of times I am saying it from now a journalist, you know, what I see. And so I'm going to call it the way I see it and – um and, and and as I said, uh, you know, try to be uh, genuine and honest about it. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I, yeah. I don't want to try to destroy anybody. Right, right. Uh, but but I'm going to give my opinion, you know. And so, uh, you know, I, I uh, will go home and um, and before I even say anything, you know, just concentrate myself to the Lord that hey, I am going to humble myself and give my opinion. Not that I know everything, and sometimes I have back somebody come back and challenge something I say. I said, you know what? You make a good point about uh, that, you know. And I could look at it in a different way, and I could see what you're saying. So, yeah. you know, I I don't say that I'm the ultimate authority on football. My oh, whatever I say is the ultimate truth. <laughs> <You know? laughs> that's that's not necessarily so. So. Uh, but I, I give my sincere opinion at that particular time, and and then I move on. I'm not going to be uh, worried about it, and I don't want. And I tell the players, look, they ask me to give my opinion, uh, don't take it personal because I don't have anything against you. And there are times I would have criticized myself if I saw myself playing. So <laughs> right. don't even worry about it. You right, know? right. Because some guys said, "Cobb, man, you you said you didn't think I had a good game." Well, I said, you know, now really look at it. I saw you missed two tackles there. You, you didn't tackle the guy. But don't take that personal because there are times I look at a tape of myself and I say, wait, who's that guy that right there? They say, Cobb, that's you. <laughs> oh, wow, man, he missed his tackle. That, the guy's supposed to... <laughs> that's <laughs> so, funny. So, so I let them know, hey, look, don't, don't take it personal. You know, it's, it's just us giving us opinion and just move on. Don't worry about it. That's know? great. I love it. Gary yeah. G. Cobb, kind enough to hang out with us a little bit here and uh, I want to respect your time. Just a Merry Christmas to you. How can people pray for you, and, wh- and what what are the Cobbs doing for Christmas? Well, I tell you, the Cobbs are going to be doing a lot of eating for Christmas. That's good. We always make sure we do a lot of eating. <laughs> How's that little grandson of yours? Is he going to pull the tree down? Uh, well, I tell you, he, he is. He is. Uh, he's doing a lot of talking, and he's running around. He's getting into everything. So you know, he always comes over to me now. In fact, uh, yesterday he's over grabbing my hand. Uh, wanted me to come come in to play. He, he likes to get on the on the slide. See, yeah, slide down. So he's going to walk up and slide down. And uh, times he goes out to the playground, he wants me to go up there on the slide with him and come down. I'm going like you know, this slide is not. Uh, Grandpa's too big for this slide. <laughs> Does he seem to understand that? <laughs> well, he doesn't understand. No, he wants me to come up there yeah. and slide down with him. You know? That's hilarious. But, yeah, but he's uh, he's doing well and. Uh, He's definitely got the energy, man. He can just go, go, go. I'm going like, look, Grandpa's getting ready to go somewhere and sit down. 
<laughs> but I'm gonna guess. Is he close to two? What is he? What is it? He around a year and a half to two years? He's two. He, no, he's two he's now. Two. He's two. Okay. Yeah, he'll tell you two. He two. How old he? A two. I'm two. <laughs> Just like that. That's right. A lot of food, you know. family time, and uh, yeah. and focus on our Savior. I'm sure that'll be a, a key part of your Christmas as well. That's right. Well, the important thing is you want to uh, make sure the youngsters know that look. He is what it's all about. You know, that's the reason we celebrate the, the season and the, the Christmas uh, because, you know, he paid the price. He laid his life down, and it was the most important move that we can make is to acknowledge him and what and the price that he paid. Uh, and uh, that that's where really you get a chance to really live uh, when you know and you accept that he has paid the price for us to be able to be uh, – born again and be able to have a relationship with our father and be able to be forgiven. Amen. Amen. That's what it's about. How people can pray for you, your family, your ministry, and to keep up with your grandson. That would be good too. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, I appreciate the prayers and uh, I let people know that really, Hey, you know, it's all about helping other people, you know, and, um, begin the chance to be going into the prisons um, and, and going in there and sharing with guys. I love to be able to encourage people that you can come in and shed light with them, you know, and, and uh, where you can walk out and you can see that they, they see that there's light for them as well. They might have made mistakes, but they can get up and they could live their lives. And uh, the Lord wants them to get up and to uh, realize that they are forgiven. Get up and keep on moving. You know, share, share the gospel with somebody else. Amen. Mm-hmm. Send me the bill for your coffee with Angelo. But if you get a steak okay. dinner, keep it to yourself. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> will do, will do. But I'm going to get a chance to have a good talk with uh, with Angelo. All right. <laughs> Thank you, G. All righty. All right. Have a great one. You too. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Gary G. Cobb played linebacker for the Eagles, Lions, Cowboys, Philadelphia Sports Radio and Broadcasting, Council's NFL players as they transition out of the league, speaks in prisons, and available to speak to if you'd like to come to your church or group. Uh, he does do that every now and again. Send me a quick note, Timmy D, T-I-M-M-Y-D, at WFIL.com. I can get you in touch. Quick break. We'll get you a little billboard about what's coming up tomorrow on the program. Very exciting show lined up. Tim DeMoss on WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 4.58, wrapping things up. Thanks to Angelo Cataldi and Gary G. Cobb joining us today on tomorrow's program. Actress Leah Thompson, you'll know her from Back to the Future, some kind of wonderful Carolina in the City. She has a new show on the CW called The Spencer Sisters, which concludes tomorrow night this season. And Don McLean of American Pie fame has a Christmas album out. He'll be joining us tomorrow as well. Talk about that and much more. Other special guests down the pike. We'll share more about that tomorrow. In the meantime, pass things off to Alistair Begg and Truth For Life next. Have a wonderful evening. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
the explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.